Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Katie Lambert. And I'm Sarah Dowdy. And we put a call out on our Twitter at Missed in History, if you haven't followed us yet, for some Irish history topics in honor of St. Patrick's Day and... We got back lots of suggestions. Today's choice is Brian Boru, who's the High King of Ireland. But we also put out a call for some pronunciation help, because we have to confess that even though we're both Irish girls, it was easier for us to figure out the Chinese pronunciations in the Opium Wars than it is for us to figure out the Gaelic pronunciations for this one. So we owe Roger and his Irish friends Carolyn and Ashling a huge thank you. And any mistakes we make are not their fault. They're ours. They did their best to spell them out phonetically for us. So we're doing our best today, we promise. So on to Brian Baru. And, you know, we got some suggestions for St. Patrick, which are really great. But we were hoping that maybe most of you would have a, a pretty good idea of the story of Ireland's other national hero. But for Brian Baru, I mean, I don't think either of us had ever heard of him. No. So... He is called by some the last great high king of Ireland, and he's the originator of the O'Brien clan. Um, the Kennedys are supposedly descendants of Brian Boru, and apparently everyone in an Irish pub, too. I think if you ask around, you're going to find a lot of descendants of Brian Boru. So to talk about him, we're going to go into a little bit of Irish history first. So in 400 BC is when the Celts get to Ireland from Europe and they introduce iron. In the 5th century AD, St. Patrick introduced Christianity. And this is considered to be a golden age for Ireland. There's peace, there's scholarly pursuits, but that all changes in 795 when the Vikings showed up. And the Vikings are, of course, Scandinavian peoples from Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. And they call themselves the Othman, which is east. The men of the east. Yeah. Um, and at first they stick to stealing from the monasteries. You know, we talked about the Book of Kells, sacking all the, the good loot that you could find at a monastery, and burning fields. But then they decide that they might actually like to, to settle down and trade. And there's not a strong government to oppose them. So they can pretty much do whatever they want. What were the Irish clans doing? Well, they were all fighting with each other. Europe's feudal system had a way of dealing with interlopers like the Vikings, but there was too much conflict between the tribes and the clans in Ireland for it to work there. And there were also a lot of weird rules about succession and land ownership that made that difficult. And we should also say that some say the Irish were just as violent and aggressive as the Vikings. There's a tendency to paint, I guess, the Irish people as as innocent, peace-loving people, and then the Vikings as evil interlopers, and that's not quite the way it went. And there's not an, an Ireland like we would think of today, either. There are a bunch of warring tribes. People are identifying themselves with their families, not this not country. Yes. yes. The Vikings themselves weren't united in Ireland, either. The Norse Vikings and the Danish Vikings um, would get into conflicts, and They would also team up with Irish people. An Irish king might get together with a Viking against another Irish king, for example. So you'd have weird black and white with this one. And I love also that I said the Irish were peace-loving people when we're talking about the fighting Irish. I kind of snickered at Katie when she said that. We're just going to 
going to gloss over that one. The Vikings also intermarried with the Irish, and they all traded with each other. So there's a little bit more to it than you might usually get. We can generally call this a period of chaos, however. And the Vikings displace some of these clans in Ireland that have held power for so long, and it leaves a power vacuum. There's an open space, and somebody comes along to fill it. And that person was Brian Boru. He was born around 940 in County Clare, and he was a member of the Dalkosh tribe. His father, Kenneteague, was king of North Munster. Um, when he was growing up, he was probably taught by monks. And his experience with the Vikings was negative, to say the very Bad least. One. His mother was murdered by Vikings and various other members of his family. And he was a witness to that. So understandably, he held a lot of animosity toward them. Yeah, he has 11 siblings, and his brother Mahoon, or Magaman, took over as king after their dad died in 951. And they added more of Munster to their kingdom, and he tries for peace with the Vikings, the, the brother. Um, Brian wants war, though, and specifically, he wants to wage guerrilla warfare. Which, as we've mentioned, is becoming a bit of a theme in our podcast. So Brian heads to the hills and attacks the Norsemen from there, and he's very, very good at what he does. The Irish people back him up because many of them don't want the Vikings there either. And eventually his brother comes around to his frame of mind and joins him. Yeah, when things are, are looking pretty good. So they get the Vikings out of South Ireland, which some might say is as great an accomplishment as St. Patrick driving the snakes out, but that's up to you. <laughs> so Brian becomes the leader of the Dalkosh in 976 when his brother dies, and he defeats Mulvadal, who was the king of the Onacht, which was a very powerful clan in 978. So now he's king of all of Munster. So Brian Boru is now in control of most of southwestern Ireland, actually most of southern Ireland. But it's not just the Vikings he has to worry about fighting anymore. There is a man named Mal Shaknal, who's king of one of the most powerful clans, if not the most powerful clan, in Ireland. And since this clan is just so important, and also because we forgot to ask Roger how to pronounce it, we're just going to spell it for you. It's U-I space N-E-I-L-L. And Mal Shaknal is their king, and he doesn't like the Vikings, and he also doesn't like how much power Brian has. According to legend, he even cut down a sacred tree of the Dalkashians to show that they didn't have dominion over him. Which is, that's, those are fighting Oh no, you did not. Gestures. <laughs> so Mal Shaknal fought the Vikings too, though, and he drove them out of Dublin, becoming High King of Ireland there. But in 988, Brian came up the River Shannon and attacked Malshaknal's holdings in Connacht and Meath. And finally, he and Malshaknal split up Ireland in 997, Brian becoming High King of the South. So we have um, two rulers at this point splitting the country in half. But this didn't hold, of course. One of the provinces, Leinster, rebelled. There were five provinces at the time, Ulster, Leinster, Munster, Connacht, and Meath. Today, Meath is just a county in Leinster, just so you know. And the Leinstermen rebelled. They didn't like being under Brian's rule, so he basically smushed their army and then plundered Dublin. He marched on Tara, which was the seat of the kings, and made Malshaknal give him the high kingship of all of Ireland in 1002. So Brian rules as high king from 1002 to 1014. And we should say, too, that 
the role of High King is more of a symbolic one because it's not like we have a united Ireland even now. The feudal system is kind of kicked in, but things are still too fractured with all of these warring clans and tribes for him to really rule them all. I'm sure there are plenty of people who aren't um, allied with the king. And under Brian's rule, we have a bit of a renaissance. He does a lot to try to rebuild what the Vikings destroyed. He's a patron of the arts, of literature, of religious architecture, and he tries to reclaim relics from Europe that have been taken from Ireland. As far as his personal life goes, he had multiple marriages and sons, which was apparently par for the course among the Irish kings. But nothing lasts forever, even for... Brian. And there's another revolt in 1013 when the king of Leinster, Melmorda, got the Vikings on his side and uh, were reinforced by lots of the other counties. And to quell this rebellion, Brian got 30,000 men together and headed to Clontarf near Dublin in April of 1014. But Brian is very old by the time, somewhere in his 80s, so he's not much for battle. His relatives are going to lead the army instead. He'll be in a tent, praying for them. And uh, much to his surprise, and mine, Mal Shaknal agrees to help him. His, his old, old rival. Yeah, the other old high king. And so we have the Battle of Clontarf, which started on April 23rd, 1014, which was Good Friday. Almost 4,000 Irishmen died, um, which was, you know, a large number, and including Brian's son, Marak or Marked, who uh, supposedly behaved heroically. But it was even worse for the Vikings and the Leinstermen. They lost around 7,000 people, according to some estimates. Um, Brian ended up winning. The Vikings retreated, pursued to their ships, but on their way back, um, according to the story, they found Brian in his tent praying, and they killed him with an axe, although supposedly he was able to kill three of them before he died, including beheading one of them. So the victorious yet dead Brian is honored with a 12-day wake. And we're left with the question, was the Battle of Clontarf important? And some people say it marks the end of Viking domination in Ireland. So in that count... Pretty big deal. Yes, very important. But the other side says, not really. Uh, Most of the Vikings ended up staying. And it was just... Uh, it made a pretty story. It was something that was easy to turn into, you know, literary loveliness. But as far as actual political significance, maybe there wasn't a lot. Well, it is, and maybe it even had a negative in- impact. What's interesting to think about, you know, Brian's male relatives mostly died in the battle, as did he, of course. So their power kind of fell apart. But if he hadn't died, and if they all hadn't died they out... left heirs... Would Ireland have been a monarchy? And that's a really interesting question to ponder. Um, if you imagine this unified, very cohesive Ireland existing after this. And if you have any insight there, please email us at historypodcast at howstuffworks.com. We'd love to hear uh, your ideas about what might have happened had Brian and his descendants ruled on. We'd also like to hear your viewpoint on Brian Boru because there are a couple of different ones. There's the side who thinks of him as this great Irish patriot and national hero who led the Irish people against the Vikings and died for them. It's a story that's almost mythical. The stone of destiny was said to roar when Brian was crowned, and his blood when he died was said to have healed the injuries of an Irish boy. But of course, there's always another side. But of course, some people also say that 
Brian Baru better epitomizes the Irish infighting, Irish fighting Irish rather than Irish fighting Vikings, and that the Vikings fought on both sides anyways. And some people say that his allegiance to his clan was more important than his allegiance to Ireland as a whole. Regardless of what you think Brian Boru's place is, he still very much has a place in Ireland. At Trinity College, you can find what's called Brian Boru's harp, even though it was not his and has nothing to do with his life, but it's an instrument dating back to the 15th century. And that same harp is seen on the Guinness logo, as well as the heraldic symbols of Ireland. He's still very much around. And there are 750,000 O'Briens throughout the world, so... He's made some kind of impact. We plan to talk to Conan O'Brien about this on Twitter. Watch out, Conan. And that brings us to listener mail. Today's email is from Ted of Santa Cruz, California, about our Zenobia Warrior Queen podcast. And he says, you made one slight error by referring to corn in the podcast. Prior to Columbus's discovery of the Americas and North American maize, corn referred to any grain, usually wheat. Only after maize became the major staple crop of the world did it become popularly known as corn. The other grains are named precisely, such as wheat, rye, barley, oats, etc. So your listeners might have been confused by your use of corn. I do love your podcasts, so please keep doing them. So thank you to Ted for the correction. So that about wraps up Brian Baru. We're going to wish everyone happy St. Patrick's Day, Katie, Slancha. and going to pick up a Guinness yeah. for Brian Baru. Celebrate that harp. Um, and if you have anything else you'd like to learn about Irish history, you should visit our homepage. It's www.howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the Stuff You Missed in History Class blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. 